September, Fort Ord, California, 1987. I don't even remember how I found out, but I learned that Pope John Paul II, who was on a tour of the United States in 1987, was giving one of his masses at Laguna Seca for the farm workers of Central California. Now, Fort Ord ends and Laguna Seca begins right across the next road. Well, coming up Catholic, I thought it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I reported to First Sergeant Gill to see if the Catholic soldiers could be excused from duties to attend the Papal Mass. The Mass was not on Sunday, it was during the work week, and when we're in garrison, it's like having a regular job. Well, I reported to First Sergeant Gill, and if you knew First Sergeant Gill, you knew he had a very, very colorful way of speaking. So I asked him, hey, could the Catholic soldiers be excused from duty tomorrow to go see the Pope? And he said something like this, Jason, deep within the heart of every soldier lies the will to aspire to greater heights. That means understanding your presence here in the infantry at Fort Ord is not that of a tourist, but of a killer, a light fighter. Request denied. No problem. Walked out to my car, drove down to where the post chaplain was located. I knew this from a time doing post support earlier in the year. Walked in, there's an E4 out front. I say, hey, could I please speak to the division chaplain? He asked me, do you have an appointment? And then I hear the division chaplain yell, it's okay, I'm here. Well, if you're an enlisted soldier in E4, there's a way that you report to an officer, and all chaplains are officers. So I walked in, stood at attention, gave my name and rank in my unit, and explained my situation and said, hey, you know, I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime situation, but my request to have the Catholic soldiers in my company attend the Papal Mass has been declined. Chaplain returned my salute and just said, I'll take care of it. Well, many of you will remember at the end of the day, when we were in Garrison, we would have what was called closing formation, and headquarters, headquarters company had theirs up by the motor pool. Well, here comes First Sergeant Gill. Never looked at me. He does the usual announcements, you know, communications platoon has a PT test tomorrow, mortar platoon will be on the range, this kind of thing. And then I knew he didn't want to say it. He says, also, if you are interested in attending the papal mass, you are excused from duties tomorrow. We're not providing any transportation and you're responsible for being available at PT the following morning. And so myself, Jim Benola, Eric Rothschild, Paul Carrito, and some of y'all may have also done this, we went over and saw the Papal Mass with 50,000 other people. And it was amazing, a once in a lifetime experience. And so on this episode of the podcast, I wanna talk about what I learned from First Sergeant Gill because he was the absolute biggest influence on me during my time in the army and why he made that comment about we're not tourists here at Fort Ord we're involved in some very very serious work in the 7th Infantry Division so welcome to Light Fighters the last foot soldiers of the Cold War my name is Jason Dias in the late 1980s, a group of young men who grew up without computers, cell phones, and social media will help end the Cold War. This is not based on a true story. This is a true story. Real quick, on the Papal Mass, I mean, we were just perfectly designed to go attend an outdoor 
experience like this. We had our poncho liners. We had our, our, you know, we didn't take our rucksacks. We took those little butt packs, and there was like this little backpack thing that came with the new Gore-Tex sleeping bag. We had them stuffed with, you know, food and water, and we had heat tabs for making coffee and top ramen and stuff. We were basically having a camp out uh, while we waited for the papal mass to begin, and it was. i got to tell you, I, I may not be Catholic anymore, but I certainly grew up in the Catholic Church. I'm just your garden variety Christian now, but it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience and something that I'll always remember. It was a beautiful day at Laguna Seca, and it's something, again, it was one of those experiences that I was having in the Army that I knew my peers from high school and church and Little League they weren't having that had they gone the college route or just gone to work after high school. It just kept reinforcing my decision, my, my belief that my decision to join the Army had been a good one. All right. First Sergeant Gill. If you knew First Sergeant Gill, uh, he was a soldier's soldier. He even had a van with that as his personalized license plate. It said, soldier. I met him very early on. Uh, I don't know why. While most people in the military are referred to by rank or by a nickname, he always called me by my first name. He always called me Jason. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But uh, he, he was, when he was talking about, hey, you're not a tourist here. You're a soldier. And the 7th Infantry Division is, is not here for recreational purposes. He was absolutely right. One of the things that I've said in every episode is that we helped end the Cold War. I don't mean that to be an exercise in hyperbole. I quite literally mean that. And so I want to tell you another quick story from when I was there. It was another night that I was on CQ, and of course you have the next night off, next next day off. And I'm over in Seaside with some girl, and when I get back to the Fort Ord that afternoon, this is in 1988, I'm driving, I make that turn, that left-hand turn to drive down to where the 4th Battalion 21st Infantry is, and it's 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening, and I just remember thinking, there's something odd going on. There was a level of activity at every single one of the infantry battalions that was unusual. It was, for someone who was very familiar with this area, you have to understand, if you were in the 4th Battalion, 21st Infantry, you might not know anybody in the 9th Regiment, the Manchus, or in the 317, or in 521. Your Army family were a few guys in your platoon, and you probably, I didn't even know everybody in the 4th Battalion, 21st Infantry, for that matter. So I'm driving down, and there is simply, I can just tell there's something going on. Well, the reason 1st Sergeant Gill made that comment the 7th ID, our AO, our area of operation, really was Central America. And Central America in the late 1980s is one of the most dynamic places on Earth as it pertains to the Cold War. There are numerous communist insurgencies going on in Central and South America, in Colombia, in El Salvador, and most famously in Nicaragua. The Nicaraguan government was being taken over by communist forces that were allied with Cuba and the Russians. And the Americans were, we had, we had gone, we had passed up on, we had passed the area of simply trying to contain communism. Ronald Reagan was actively trying to roll it back. And so at one point in 1988, the Contra rebels, who were the anti-communist forces in Nicaragua, 
come over into Honduras, which is an ally of the United States, and the communist forces in Nicaragua, the Sandinistas, followed them into Honduras, and that's what sent the balloon up and created all of that activity that night. It was called Operation Golden Pheasant. Um, I don't remember which units were sent down to Honduras. It was pitched as a live fire exercise. The, uh, we sent down a bunch of guys in the 7th ID. They did a live fire exercise, and the, the Sandinista, the communists, got the message, and they returned across the border into Nicaragua. I am a historian, but I don't know everything. I believe that operation, Operation Golden Pheasant, in the spring of 1988, I think it was, I think that was one of the most significant moments in Cold War history. The people down in Central America and South America realized the Americans were playing for keeps now. And we had Colonel Harkins on this show. He talked about this. It was not just the communist thing. There was an issue down in Central and South America that the Reagan administration, later the first Bush administration, was very keen to curtail, and that was the narcotics trade. This is the 1980s. This is the beginning and the end of Pablo Escobar and the Medellin cartel and the Cali cartel and these billions and billions and billions of dollars in money flowing through Colombia and Panama and drugs being transported through all of these countries that at one point in time had been aligned with the United States. I know there's been some disagreement on this. I know I went to Panama twice. Some guys have told me they only went once. I went twice, once in 87 and once in 88. And in 1988 in Panama, the atmosphere was totally different than it had been in 1987, just one year before. And of course, the following year, in December of 1989, the United States is going to invade the country of Panama to get rid of Manuel Noriega, who had been one of the best buddies for the Americans and the CIA, helping us out with things. But, you know, uh, President Carter had agreed to, to hand over control of the Panama Canal, the most important waterway in the world, and there were some Americans who wanted to kind of portray Manuel Noriega as a bit of a drug runner and a, and a criminal, and the good news was he was all of those things, and he invalidated a legal election, and so the Americans go down there in December of 1989 and, and get rid of him in what was called Operation Just Cause. I was already out of the active duty army at that time. Well, back to Fort Ord in 1988 in Golden Pheasant. This is one of my favorite memories of First Sergeant Gill. When we realized that we were not going to go, and there was a week or so, the other unit came back. I'll never forget, it was a Thursday night, and First Sergeant Gill got out for the closing formation, and he said, hey, I know a lot of you guys go over to the enlisted club tonight. There's going to be some guys who have gone downrange. They're going to think they're the toughest guys on post. They're going to be looking for trouble. Please be careful. He simply, you know, first sergeants and sergeant majors, they've all been privates. They've all been, you know, uh, enlisted guys at that, you know, E1 through E4 level. He really understood soldiers' mentality, and he absolutely understood. He was a Vietnam veteran. He served in the 25th Infantry Division in Vietnam. He just had a real, I hate to use a cliche, like he had his finger on the pulse of his soldiers, but he really did. 
by the time it was time for me to ETS, my plan, believe it or not, was to, I, I wanted to be a forward observer. Our forward observer in Alpha Company, 4th Battalion, 21st Infantry, was a guy named Sergeant Hudson. He was a SoCal guy. He was a ranger. I'd gone to light leaders course with him. And he had told me, you know, you know Doc, you're really good at land navigation. You know, you, you speak well. You speak clearly on the radio. You'd make a great forward observer. And since I had been to Fort Sill for basic training, I sort of had that artillery pedigree anyway. That was my plan, to reenlist and become a forward observer. First Sergeant Gill talked me out of it. You have to remember, in the 20th century, in late 20th century, and if, you have, if you're listening to this because your mom or your dad or your grandparents were light fighters, you have to understand the only way to achieve the middle class, upper middle class life that I had enjoyed as a child was to you maybe join the army or you went to college and you got a job. There's no monster.com. There's no LinkedIn.com. There's no Glassdoor.com. And First Sergeant Gill prevailed upon me to, to go, get out of the Army and go to college. You can always come back. And I got to tell you, nobody changed the trajectory of my life at Ford Ward more than First Sergeant Gill. He understood at the soldier level, at the company level, what was important, but he also understood the bigger picture, the strategic picture that the 7th Infantry Division was placed in. On the Cold War battlefield, we were there to attack. We were not pawns. We were there to make legitimate strategic moves, and that move down in Golden Pheasant, down into Honduras, I think that was one of the most significant moments in the Cold War that almost nobody ever talks about. When we had Colonel Harkins on this show last time, you know, he, he talked to me off the air about this. And I asked him, you know, was that a, a significant moment? And he agreed. So it's not just me who thinks that. Now, of course, it's been over 30 years. You can't expect anybody to care about Operation Golden Pheasant. They've probably never heard of it, or Operation Just Cause, for that matter. When I talk to people about the invasion of Panama, most people, even people from my generation, have no idea what that is. I served in Desert Storm in 1991. There are people that don't even know what that is. And so it's just one of the things I wanted to talk about on the episode today. I, I believed at the time that we were involved in something very, very significant. As I mentioned, I grew up, you know, with the United States beating the Russians in the Olympics at hockey, when in the James Bond movie, the villains were always Russian. You know, today the villains are always other Americans. But back in those days, the bad guys were the Russians. I had a Russian flag in my room, you know, kind of the know thy enemy. This is the target. Let's look at it every day. There's a picture of me with the Russian flag hanging in my barracks room. First Sergeant Gill would come in for inspection. Jason, you're such a communist. I wasn't a communist. I was, I was just sort of like, again, and know thy enemy. Anyway, um, I, I've said this to some of y'all on the phone. I, I have enjoyed reflecting on this, how we are all joined in this glorious anonymity. The things that we did at Fort Ord were significant. They benefited me personally, as I'm sure they benefited some of you personally in terms of getting your life started the right way. As I mentioned in episode two, my life was not headed in a good direction when I joined the Army in 1986. And the life I've led since then, all the good things I attribute to my time in the military. And as I mentioned in the first episode, I've worked in a number of professions. You gentlemen, 
at Fort Ord, California, where the most professional guys I ever worked with, most professional gentlemen I ever served with. But in terms of just absolute impact, for some of y'all it might be a high school football coach or a, a teacher in high school or a professor in college, I've got wonderful parents. I love my mom and dad. But in terms of like a mentor or a life coach, for me, that person was First Sergeant Gill. Now, you heard me mention CQ. Believe it or not, even First Sergeant Gill had to pull CQ sometimes at the division level. And this is the last story I want to tell you, second to last story I want to tell you about First Sergeant Gill. I was dating a young lady at the 7th Medical Battalion, and they had dorms. They had, like, dormitories, and the men and women lived in, you know, different parts of the building, but in the same building. But you were not allowed as a male soldier to be – it sounds crazy thinking about it today – a male soldier was not allowed to be in the female barracks after a certain hour. Well, I'm over there. It's after a certain hour. I'm there with my girlfriend, and we hear inspection. This is like in the middle of the night on Saturday night. Well, First Sergeant Gill is on CQ for the entire division, and so he's decided to inspect the barracks at the 7th Medical Battalion. I don't know why. And so we can hear people opening doors. Uh, my girlfriend's getting up. She's putting on her PT uniform. You know, she's standing at the edge of her bunk, and I hide under her bed. Her roommate was, was out. She was probably off seeing somebody else. We worked these things out all the time in those days. I see the familiar, perfectly polished jump boots come into the room. I hear First Sergeant Gill's voice. I hear him ask, you know, my girlfriend's name, where are you from? They're both from North Carolina. So that conversation went on. He says, is there anything in here that going on in here that I need to know about? And she's like, no, First Sergeant. I figure, okay, we're in the clear. Then First Sergeant Gill gets down on all fours and looks under the bed. He looks right into my eyes. He is as close to me as I am to the microphone I'm speaking into. He smiled, stood up, and yelled, all good here. I loved First Sergeant Gill. Uh, I kept up with him. I discovered him on social media back in the late 2000s. And then, of course, three years ago, he passed away from pancreatic cancer. Well, when I was leaving Fort Ord, he had, he had gone through, a, I think it was a change of command ceremony. He actually left Fort Ord before I did. When he was leaving, I went down to his office, and I, I thanked him for everything. You know, sometimes you develop a, a friendship with people that transcends rank and military protocol, and I, and I felt that way about First Sergeant Gill. And as I was leaving his office, I turned around thinking about Operation Golden Pheasant uh, that didn't turn into a real combat deployment like a lot of us thought it was going to. And I said, what will we be called? You're a Vietnam veteran, but when I get out of the Army, I've never served in a war. What will we be referred to? And I don't know if it had anything to do. I know he knew I was the guy that got us off to go see Pope John Paul II. And he looked at me and said these words exactly. He said, Jason. We're what we have always been, cold warriors. And I said, that sounds pretty good to me. And as I walked out, he said, he said, wait. And I turned around. He said, cold warriors and Christian soldiers. True that, First Sergeant Gill. I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed talking to y'all on the phone. I've had the opportunity to, to talk to about a dozen of y'all on the phone. And, if, and I wish, I wish First Sergeant Gill were still alive to hear this 
podcast. I, I will tell you this, the epilogue to Pope John Paul II story is the next morning at PT. If you, if you did PT, and we all did PT, if you've never been in the Army, a lot of times when the company is running, you're running in cadence together. And First Sergeant Gill would be out on the side, and every now and then he would call out somebody, and he had to fall out of the formation and run around the entire company back to your position. He called me about out about three times the next morning at PT, and I was never very good at distance running, and I, I ended up lagging way, way behind the company when the company finished PT that morning. So that's how I knew, he knew, that I had been the one to sort of go over his head to the division chaplain, but he never said a word to me about it. I hope some of y'all met somebody like First Sergeant Gill when you were in the Army or at Fort Ord, somebody that really impacted you in a positive way. You know, Sergeant Epps was somebody else like that for me. I'll never forget, we were at Fort Ord, California, and he said something to me that I never forgot. He goes, Jason, the map is flat, but the earth isn't. And I had to tell you, when I earned my expert field medical badge, it was all based upon a navigational technique called resection that Sergeant Epps had taught me at Fort Benning. Great professional soldiers that I served with, uh, respected all of y'all immensely. First Sergeant Gill really did change the trajectory of my life for the better. And I've wanted to talk about him on the podcast. And now we're down to, mm, what is it, two episodes, three episodes left until we're finished. So uh, we've got the episode on Australia and the National Training Center, but next time on Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War. You know where we're going. Don't touch anything because you'll come away with a handful of black palm. And if you're visiting some of those Colombian working girls in Cologne, you better put on about 17 condoms. You'll be coming home with something even worse than black palm. This is the deployment that made me me. Panama, next time on Light Fighters, the last foot soldiers of the Cold War. Until then, no slack, cold steel. Bushmasters and night fighters, boar, brother, boar.